2: We have Andrew Combo-Silop, as you guys know, listening, host of Combo's Court, and the one and only as one of the best beards in the game and left-handed jump shots. You have myself, Max Van Auken, the host of the Max Van Auken Podcast, the MVP, and we have our first ever guest, uh, Jason Temp. You've probably seen him on the volume. Uh, We're both huge fans of your work. I think you're giving Combo a run with their money Uh, when it comes to the beard game. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm falling (laughs) in last place, but uh,
1: Jason, how are you? I'm good. It's good to see you guys. I sincerely appreciate you guys having me on and I'm honored to be your first guest. And also, it's ski season, which means it's beard
0: <laughs> season. This is what we have to do. Yeah. It's beard it's beard season all year long.
2: So <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I don't have a real choice in this by the way. I'm working on it right now, so hopefully it'll get there. I'm just naturally not like that. So guess I'm built differently but all that being said man you do fantastic work um definitely wanted to tell you that I've been watching your stuff for a while now and just your overall insight on the game and it's one thing is really cool and I know combo you could speak to this as well whenever you're speaking to other podcasters and other content creators it's just the best conversation there is so we're just really excited for it for sure
0: yeah I totally yeah. agree and and the thing is uh, I'm sorry to cut you off Jason but you can. You know, I think when you talk about basketball, you're speaking my language, per se, because I feel like you obviously have a playing background, a coaching background, and you also have that skill development point of view. So that's something I really appreciate as guys like me and you growing up in the gym, working on our games. I think sometimes we see things from a point of view. So when you're talking basketball, as I said before, you're kind of like speaking my language.
1: Yeah, you know, my, my whole viewpoint with this kind of thing is there's no right or wrong way to do it. 100%. Um like i the current landscape of NBA media and the focus on drama and narratives is not my favorite. I don't personally partake in that, but I don't think there's anything wrong with people who enjoy that perspective and and that kind of thing. And yeah. everyone, I feel like everybody in the business has their own kind of unique touch. Mine is like, I have a math background. so like a third of my approach is kind of based on statistical analysis, particularly as it pertains to play types rather than like catch-alls. And then I ha- I love the um i love the skill development piece like you said so like my my touch will have a little bit more of that focus on the skill development stuff and then the last third of it is more of like a macro love of the game type of thing and it kind of comes up with a unique approach and everybody has a unique approach no one's doing it right or wrong i just i just try to talk about
0: the game the way that i love to talk about it and i'm thankful that some people are willing to listen Okay, I got one question before Max gets started with the (laughs) NBA stuff. Obviously, um, you probably always analyzed your own game growing up playing basketball, but now you I'm sure you have a deeper analysis when it comes to basketball. Is there anything you look back at when it comes to your playing career that you might have done differently with all the work Mm. you've done with the podcast? My goodness, everything, man. Like
1: it's <laughs> oh gosh. Well let's just put it let's just put it this way. Like, now I can shoot and dribble and do both things well. When I was in college, I couldn't do either thing well. And what <laughs> pisses me off is I was like a six six athlete with a six ten wingspan. I was all I made an all conference team. I was a decent basketball player back then and I couldn't even shoot and dribble. So now mm. I'm like now 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 I just get angry with myself cuz it's a it's a wa- waste but it is what it is. I'm at peace with it. It's 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 all it's all part of the larger purpose and and here here I am talking about the game. I can't complain too much. As long as I get to be around the game for the rest of my life, I'm a happy guy.
2: Right. Right. 100%. There's nothing better. I knew right away um I always love to talk and I mean I play basketball not at that level but um I always knew I wanted to be around the game then when I found out there's a career that you can talk about basketball and talk about sports for a living I like I knew right away that's exactly what I wanted to do and be around the game uh but all that to say yeah let's get into the NBA so I was going to start off with this combo for one you know I'm in LA with this internship I know you're an LA guy um combo you know I like the Lakers so last night there was a preseason game or was that two nights ago? I think it was last night, actually. Yeah, and LeBron James, after going 0-7, what, in his first preseason game, he only played for like a handful of minutes, and everyone, you know, of course, freaking out. It's like, guys, he's in year 20. It's a preseason game. If there's anyone in the league who has nothing to prove, it's this guy. Are we really hyperventilating over a preseason game? He comes out, Las Vegas, scores 23 in the first half, looks phenomenal. We're not questioning LeBron James. I know I'm not. My question for the Lakers is, is, is Anthony Davis going to be available? The best availability, the best ability is availability. And I know what I'm getting with LeBron James. We can talk about Russell Westbrook all day, but at the end of the day, if the Lakers have any hope, it's Anthony Davis being available and being who we think he can be, which we've seen in the bubble. Um, do you have any takeaways from the preseason game and Anthony Davis being ruled out of that game? What are your thoughts on the Lakers so far?
1: So, you know, so much of the pessimism surrounding the Lakers is derived from the tail end of the roster. And, you know, like if you're really looking at that roster and you're like, how many of these guys would make a playoff rotation for one of the teams that made the NBA finals last year? You're like, okay, Patrick Beverly. Yes. I don't know about Dennis Schroeder, maybe Austin Reeves. And then I think Russ is an absolute no, just because what he does in the off ball stuff on both ends of the floor is so poor. Right now, that I just don't think he can play that role for any legitimate team with legitimate aspirations. But what we keep glossing over in that discussion is LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And now the pessimism is real because of those availability concerns. Like you said, I mean, the two of them combined to basically miss half the season last year. And there's no doubt that if LeBron or AD miss a significant chunk of games this year, like a 30 game stretch, for instance. That this team will be a play-in team at best and potentially miss the playoffs because there is not enough talent down the roster. We learned that last year. Russ and Anthony Davis going into Oklahoma City couldn't beat the Thunder twice. So, like, that's clearly an issue for them there. But if the two of them are healthy, they ha- they they clean up so many of the messes on both ends with what they do that they become a functional basketball team. And here what we saw is we saw them go against a Sacramento Kings team, which is they're talented. They're not good, but they're talented. And they won those minutes with their core lineups. And then last night, they went up against a team that has consistently had a mental advantage over them over the last 18 months or so. Pretty much ever since Anthony Davis pulled his groin in game four of right. the first round series in 2021. And that team has consistently had their number. And they went out there last night without Anthony Davis and Kind of kick their ass a little bit. So, and they look really good on the defensive end so far in both games. It's very classic Bucks defense where it's like from Darvin Ham where it's we're over helping out of the strong side. We're willingly giving up wide open threes to shut down the paint. They're blocking seven and a half shots per game through two games, which would, lead, would have led the league last year in the regular season. So I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. But again, like you said, availability for the stars is really all that
0: matters.
2: Combo, with your thoughts, man? I know I see you over there smirking. The Lakers are always an interesting talking point. Well, so, uh,
0: yeah, I always like to talk about Russ. But Jason has a timer where he can only talk about Russ yeah. for, like a, <laughs> for like a minute. But um, yeah, now like, so do you feel like he stays with this team for the entirety of the season? And let me ask you this: There's reports that Miles they they put in two draft picks with Russ for Miles mm. and Buddy Hield. Like that's a no-brainer, right? For the Lakers, what are your thoughts on
1: that? Okay, so a couple things. First, Russ, if well, first he the plays, timer. you got you got to explain yeah, the timer. exactly. One <laughs> <minute>. <laughs> if he plays the way he did in these first two preseason games, they won't trade him. He's been better than expected on the defensive end and better than expected on the offensive or end. Or they're
0: try- or they're trying to raise his value. Or they're trying to raise his mm. value.
1: That's a good point. Now, in that game last night against the Suns. He was really good in his off-ball possessions and his transition possessions, running the floor, getting to the rim in transition. And then when he caught the ball in a spot-up possession, he knocked down a couple of threes. He attacked closeouts well. But against a set elite defense like Phoenix, he's going to struggle, and he did in his on-ball possessions, turning the basketball over, over over-penetrating, driving into some messes. And so I'm less concerned about that because I care more about his off-ball stuff. But if he if he plays the way he did in his first two preseason games, which I'm pessimistic about, then I think they'll end up keeping him. But the reality is, is this team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis playing the way that Anthony Davis looked amazing in his first game, by the way. Mm -hmm. And then LeBron looked amazing last night to me, like go all in with what you can get with Buddy Heald and Miles Turner you add, you fix one of your specific needs in shooting. Cause this roster is probably the worst shooting team in the league right now. And you improve that center position. I like Damian Jones, but he's not as good as miles Turner. I like Thomas Bryant, but he's not as good as Damian Jones. So, like, it's just an influx of talent to starter-level NBA players that address two needs on the roster. That's what I would do if I was in the chair. But I think if Russ keeps playing like this, they'll justify
0: some reason to keep him. I've been saying this before Russ ever played a game with the Lakers. I just like the Bruce Brown role for him. Like, I think he should be a super Bruce Brown. 100%
1: Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. Like, like he—he's a good enough athlete to impact plays on the defensive end still, and he's a good enough athlete to be dominant in the short role and in compromised defense situations. So, attacking a defense in transition or attacking closeouts, he's going to be fine. But against set defenses now, there's just a book out on him. You put a big forward on him that he can't physically bully. And you drop way back and you bait him into jump shots and he will make mistakes. That's that's the set defense way to stop him. But if you put him in that off ball role, there's no doubt that he could be nearly as impactful as a buddy healed if he were to do that because he could be a better defensive player. But he has to buy into the Bruce Brown role. And two games isn't enough. He's got a nature. This is his 15th season. He's not going to change overnight. But if he does, then he's a legitimate basketball player on this team. But if he doesn't, then there's no reason not to trade him for somebody that can actually help them more consistently.
2: I was just about to ask that. So – I believe aggressive wins. You have a guy, LeBron James, you're 20. You're obviously in a win now mode. Like he doesn't want anything else but to win right now. So initially before these two preseason games, I'm thinking, why would you not trade for Buddy Hilde and Miles Turner? Because I'm not really worried about the draft picks. I know down the line, that's probably not the best move, but right now we're clearly about winning right now. And so I thought it was a no brainer, go in and win now, get those traits. Um, but I was just about to ask you that and you kind of answered it there. So let's just say glass-half-full guy, Russell Westbrook is what you think he can be. and That's more valuable than what Miles Turner and Buddy Hill can bring then, right? So it's a smarter move to stay with Russell Westbrook if he can be what you think he can be.
1: There's no doubt that there's more flexibility if you go at it with Russ this year. Okay. Because then going into the next offseason— you still have those two draft picks and you have all of this cap space. You've got, I think, 34, 35 billion. Now that's not necessarily legitimate because there's a cap hold if they want to retain like an Austin Reeves, for instance. So it's a little bit more complicated than that, but let's say that they have about 25, 30 million in cap space next summer. There's no doubt that you're better off in terms of your flexibility next summer. If you have Russ, my thing is, let's look at it this way. Even if you wanted to trade those draft picks next summer, you have no salary to load with them because you've got these two max salaries in LeBron James and Anthony Davis and basically nothing else. Right. So I look at it as I actually see more flexibility in flipping Russ for three intermediate contracts, you know, guys that are in that $20 million range, like a buddy healed, right. Or, if you have a mile uh, uh, like bring the miles Turner will become a free agent next year. But the point is, is if you have uh, one of those guys come back that has an additional year on the contract at an intermediate point, it buys you trade filler without having to, you know, uh, run into issues with your, with your stars. So I, I actually think they'd be more flexible if they made a deal with Russ, but I do see where they're coming from, from the cap space argument. It's just, I don't see any great free agents on the horizon. And, and then the other thing too is, I think that Jeannie Buss is obsessed with the money of it all. Mm. And I think that she really wants to make sure that they get out of the repeater tax. And one of the easiest ways to do that is just to have Russ's contract come off the books next year. And then you load up as a normal team operating with cap space. That's what I expect them to end up doing. Unless uh, the the one thing that'll, the one thing I could see making them make a deal is if they start out really well. And Russ isn't the uh, Russ, isn't a big part of it. Because then it'll be like, we need to invest in this team. But if, that, if those two circumstances don't take
0: place, I think they'll convince themselves just to hang on to him. Better chance for them to win it all or be a play-in team or less? Play-in team or I, less. I guess I guess play-in <laughs> team, you could still win it all.
1: Yeah. I've been telling people this on my show. I believe in the Lakers' ceiling. They're, you're stupid if you don't think they can win the title. But if I was a betting man and I had to pick one side or the other, I'm going. This just turns into a complete disaster because okay, how about just, he gets hurt.
0: How about this? This makes it more difficult. Less than playing, they don't make the play-ins or championship. Less than playing,
1: I think that I think that's more likely because, like again,
0: <sighs> uh, Anthony Davis twisted ankle. That's kind his ankle. of
1: crazy, Jason. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, just think of it like this: If Anthony Davis sprained his ankle in the fifth game of the season and missed a month, would you be shocked? No. Health aside, <laughs> everybody. Okay, <put> him,
0: <laughs> Jason. Everybody's healthy. Talk to me.
1: If everyone's healthy, this team is is going to finish as a top four seed in the West.
0: Wow. Okay. Because
1: okay. that's how much that's how much I believe in LeBron James and Anthony Davis.
2: Listen, okay. I, I have no problem with that statement besides the Anthony Davis part. And look, I, I'm a gla- glass half full type of guy. I always want to see the best in the situation, right? But Anthony Day, like for example, I know it's a preseason game, right? So I have to, I can't be hypocritical here and take too much away from it, but. Anthony Davis already not being available in a preseason game. Does that not worry you just a little bit? Obviously, precaution. It's not that big of a deal. We'd rather him be ready for the start of the NBA season. But does that just worry you just a little bit or no?
1: My guess is that uh Anthony Davis wasn't the one who decided to sit out last night. I bet you that was a management decision. Okay. Uh Remember, LeBron James and Anthony Davis barely played at all in last year's preseason. They didn't play at all in the first two games. So, like, I look at it more as, like, uh that's just typical load management over the course of the preseason. Okay. He did say that he makes he views it as a personal goal of his to play 82 this season. So, he's going to have an opportunity to put his money where his mouth is. We'll see in the first back to back. If he plays in the tail end of the first back to back, I'll be like, "Okay, Anthony, I see what you're up to here."
2: <laughs> see, now that would be perfect. I mean, I wouldn't even I'm not even asking for him to play 82. I just want you to be available for the majority and not miss as much time as you have. But uh combo unless you have a specific team you want to hit, I was going to stick in the West.
0: You could stay in the West. I think I know where you're going with it. Where am I going with it? Where am I going with it? <laughs> Warriors?
2: No, 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 no. I was going to transition into more of the Denver the Denver area. Yeah,
0: go ahead. That's something different. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Be, well, because this is very interesting to me. When has there ever been a back-to-back MVP who hasn't been on the cover of 2K? And so I just feel like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, you, interesting. you know what,
0: you know, you know what okay. Rare the Dog came to me about Jokic the other day? I feel like he could really fit in with any team in any era. Any team, any because, era. Uh, because like back in the day, they wouldn't put him at point center, but he would be a great traditional center, you know? So, and I think he could just like his skill set is so. There's so much variance to it that he could just play with anybody.
2: I think he's the most skilled big of all time. I'm not saying he's the best big of all time. He's the most skilled big of all time, especially offensively, just because everything he can do is the best passing big we've seen. Shoot, obviously.
0: Hakeem is up there, but Yeah, 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 of
2: course. But I say that to say this, a back-to-back MVP, and I feel like we're not even really talking about the Nuggets that much. And so it's like he's a top-five player in the world, back-to-back MVP. Jamal Murray's coming back healthy. You obviously paid They got Bruce Brown. Okay, so let's talk about it. What are your expectations? Because they're no longer the young team. Like, oh, they're going to be pretty good. It's like, no, look, you have a back-to-back MVP. You're healthy now. You're no longer just the young team. The expectation should be, we want to see a championship out of Denver. I don't think that's too, too much to ask,
1: right? I, I think they're going to be the best offense in basketball this year. I think they'll finish number one in net rating. Uh, or excuse me, in, in offensive rating the defensive end of the floor is always going to be where this team has question marks. Like when you think about what their best lineup is going to be in a playoff series in all likelihood. And I love the KCP trade, by the way, he's going to be such an interesting fit with Jokic because one of the most underrated parts of Jokic's game is the way he starts the fast break. He has a ton of limitations defensively in transition. And I've talked those to death on my show. But he's one of the best in the league at getting the rebound and starting the break. He can bring it up the floor with a live dribble, and he throws these ridiculous passes to his guard streaking the floor. KCP is one of the best transition guards in the league because he's such a good one-leg leaper off of his uh, left leg, and he extends out and finishes at the rim. And he's one of the best in the league at sprinting to the corners to shoot three-point shots. That was one of the big ways that he helped the Lakers in the 2020 season. So if you think about what their best lineup's going to be, it's going to probably be Jamal Murray, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Bruce Brown, Michael Porter Jr., and Jokic, or instead of uh, Bruce Brown, they might go with one of their wings instead. But that's kind of like the, what you're looking at there. And Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. will be attacked on every single possession. Teams will try to space them out and attack Jokic in, uh, in a spread five out, like kind of driving kick type of system. So then it becomes like this. What's more likely to happen in a playoff series against a team like the Warriors or the Clippers or the idealized version of the Lakers? Is it more likely that some team figures out how to slow down the Nuggets offense enough? Or is it more likely that the Nuggets defense is able to hold their own against a really good playoff offense? And I think it's far more likely that those matches swing against Denver. And we literally saw this in the 2020 bubble. It's like, okay, Jokic, Murray, pick and roll. Nobody can stop this thing. And then suddenly LeBron James and Anthony Davis just started switching it, and LeBron started just completely shutting down Jamal Murray, and they couldn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. And then on the other end of the floor, LeBron and Anthony Davis, as it turned out, were way more difficult to stop. And so I I, I really like Denver. I'm excited about them. I'm a Jokic fan. I still don't think they're in that top-tier contenders. I'm a that, t-
0: does that time period where before Jamal Murray got hurt and Gordon was added to the roster – does that give you optimism because they were playing like the best team in the league at that point?
1: Yeah. They they had like a five game stretch where their net rating was just off the charts. I, I did see that, but again, it's, it's a regular season thing mm. and yeah, what, it's like, different. yeah. And most importantly, it's like uh, the type of, the type of scheming it takes to truly get Jokic to guard in space um, requires a great deal of effort and repetition. And it usually only manifests in a playoff series. In a one-game regular season sample size, Jokic is an above-average defensive player. And in a playoff series where you truly have the opportunity to space him out with matchups and, and try to figure out all their counters that they try to use to keep him by the rim, that's where it can really be exposed. Uh, that's right. Aaron Gordon would be the guy that end up playing in that wing position. I don't know why I was blanking there. He's, um, under, but... he's, under,
0: he's underrated, in my opinion.
1: And I, oh, he's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah, he's, yeah, not, yeah. he's not. He's not going to be their issue on the defensive end. Him and Contavious right. Caldwell Pope are going to be excellent. It's the other yeah. three guys. It's you're playing. Jokic is an above-average regular season defender, but you're playing three below-average playoff defenders in your best lineup yep. alongside two excellent playoff defenders but three below-average playoff defenders. So I'm concerned about whether or not they're going to be able to hold their own in, this, in specific matchups. I'm not concerned about a first-round series. I'm not concerned about them getting a, a high seed. I'm talking L.A. Clippers Eastern Conference semi or Western Conference semifinals. They space you out, and it's Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Reggie Jackson just attacking you off the dribble. How are they going to guard in space?
0: Yeah, Michael Porter Jr. has to be more aware on defense, to say the least. Yep, 100%. I agree.
2: Now, I know we're not going to get into the Warriors situation situation right now, but obviously when I'm, the question I'm about to ask is a very macro question. Um, when you look at the best teams, obviously Boston was just in the finals. They have the situation that they're in. You look at the Golden State mm-hmm. Warriors. I'm a Milwaukee Bucks. I believe in Giannis and the Bucks right now. I believe if healthy, I know it's a big if uh, after all the conversations we've been having, but if Middleton doesn't get hurt, I believe they match up really well with – I think they beat Boston, Match up really well, Miami, matchup really well with Golden State. So for me, um, the Milwaukee Bucks are kind of like my go-to pick right now to win the whole thing. Is there a team that sticks out to you that's head and shoulders above everyone else, or is it kind of like a three, four-team race?
1: I don't think any team is head and shoulders above anybody. Um, I think there's four teams that are clearly above the rest. The, obviously, Clippers, Bucks, Celtics, and Warriors. I think all four of them are of relatively similar levels of talent. I give very slight edges to teams like the, um, the Celtics and the uh, Clippers in terms of talent. I think they both have just a tiny bit more two-way talent than the Warriors and Bucks do. But I think the Warriors and Bucks have the two best players in the world on their team. So I think that kind of balances that out a little bit. But when I really look at that situation, you got you to gotta look past it towards the intangibles. Which team is the most experienced? The Warriors. the Warriors. Yeah. Which team has the highest basketball IQ? The Warriors. Which team has the best coaching staff? Probably the Warriors. Or the Heat. Now, the, yeah, I think the Heat. I, I think Kerr and and Spolcher are the two best coaches in the world. But Agreed. I don't think the Heat have nearly enough talent to enter into this conversation. Right. 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 So right. just so, from a coaching like, standpoint. Yeah. Exactly. So okay. like, if I if I'm saying what team has the best combination of talent, mm. experience, management, coaching, IQ and continuity, it's the Warriors, and so if you're a betting man, with all the variables that can can come into play,
0: which team is the safest bet? I think it's the Warriors. Where do you think the Sixers land in all of this? They add PJ Tucker, they add Daniel House, James Harden seems to be in better shape. Yeah. Joel Embiid could have another MVP type season. We saw Rockets two point. I mean, we saw the Rockets play that kind of basketball that I really enjoyed, even though it didn't end up working. But now you kind of have that still, but you add an MVP candidate. So where do they land in all of that?
1: So I had them fifth in my preseason power ranking. So I had them at the top of all the teams that were below that top tier. I think they are just as talented as those top teams in the league, but they have... Way more question marks than any of those teams. Mm. The main reason, and the main question marks, we always think about, like Embiid's injuries, mm-hmm. right? Doc Rivers coaching, James Harden being out of shape. All those are the things that we look at, right? Well, if, if, if what has me so excited about Philly. Is one, I think James Harden is going to have the best season he's had since probably 2019 or 2018, right? Wow, I just think, I just okay. think, I think he's learned some lessons about how to take care of his body over the last couple of years. He's going through what I'm going through, which is the early thirties. Oh crap. I can't eat the way I used to kind of thing. <laughs> like, where I'm putting, I'm putting on weight and I'm struggling to lose it a little bit. Like I, I've been hovering over 230 pounds now for way too long. That needs to, that needs to get fixed. But I think, I think James Harden's going to have a better season. They've addressed some of their mental toughness concerns with the addition of Daniel House and P.J. Tucker. They're just going to kind of take on some more of that tough personality that that team really struggles with. And then, dude, I am so incredibly high on Tyrese Maxey. What if I told you that he's the fastest guard in the league and he shoots 40% on pull-up jump shots, both from mid-range and the three-point line? Like that right there... Instantly makes you one of the most intriguing players in the league. He's been really good. I'm in the middle of watching the matchup with the Cavs last night, but he was incredible in the the preseason opener. And then Tobias Harris, say what you want about Tobias Harris. Yes, he's inconsistent. Yes, he can be frustrating to watch sometimes, but for him to be your fourth best player, is ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. And 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 like his ability to attack uh, he was one of the best mismatch attackers in the post last year on a points per possession basis. He's good at attacking closeouts and he can guard big wings. I th- I think him I think this team is loaded and yeah. you add PJ mm. Tucker in as that fifth starter, mm-hmm. like they're going to be if they're healthy and everything goes right and, and and James Harden does recapture some of his former self, they're every bit as good as the top teams in the league. There's just a lot of question marks and that's why you have to put them below them at that point.
2: Right, right. No, I think you're on the money right there. P.J. Tucker's just that glue guy that every championship team wants. Play defense, take the charge, hit the corner three. He's just a get it guy. Uh, I know we're going to wrap up here shortly. So I'm going to go out with one big prediction. Bang. I don't know if there's anything that you guys want to hit on around the league or something that stands out to you. But for me, um, I wanted to touch on this very quickly. Zion Williamson and Anthony Edwards are two of like really... Um, captivating pieces for me that I just can't get my eyes off of. I think Zion's going to have a great year off of an injury. He already looks in shape. But Anthony Edwards, in my opinion, and I don't even know if this is a bold take because we all know he has an extremely high ceiling, I believe he's going to be a t- top 10 player in the world after this year. I think that's like my breakout player of the year. Luca may be my MVP. I don't think this, the the Wolves will win the championship by any means, but I believe after this season we're going to look at Anthony Edwards kind of in a different sentence than we are now.
0: I think you've been listening to Combo's court.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro, you and I think exactly. I just don't have a beard. That's the only thing really separating us right now.
1: <laughs> How about ahead, you guys? Jason, what,
0: are you, what are your thoughts, Jason?
1: I love Anthony Edwards' game, and once again, you know. So, <laughs> uh, you hear me talk a ton about pull-up jump shooting on my show, and mm-hmm. the main reason why is I think I think it's rapidly becoming the most important offensive skill. In the same way that I think the most important defensive skill is perimeter contain the ability to slide your feet and stay in front of ball handlers on the offensive end. I think pull-up jump shooting is one of the most important skills in all of the, in the entire game. And the main reason why is almost every defensive coverage is designed to take away what's easy and force you to do something difficult. Right? So for instance, like a lot of five out teams are uh, like uh, uh, switch everything five out defensive teams that play a lot of perimeter players they're trying to chase you off the three-point line and then rotate around and take away the rim. But there's big openings in the middle of the floor for pull-up yes. shooting. All your drop coverage teams are chasing ball handlers over the top of screen and sit- sitting their bigs back to take away the roll and to take away the drive. So the only way to be bat- beat that coverage is the pull-up three, the pull-up 17, 18-footer, or the floater at the you know, 12, 13-foot mark, right? So at the end of the day, like your ability to shoot off the dribble is becoming the best way to beat any NBA coverage. And so... Anthony Edwards flashed excellent pull-up jump shooting. I think he was over 40% on pull-up jump shots in that first round playoff series um, last year against Memphis. And he shot really well pull-up jump shooting towards the end of the regular season. So when I get a combination of big, strong, rim-pressuring guy that no one can keep in front, mixed with the ability to shoot the basketball, if he gets any sort of low-level playmaking, then we're looking at one of the better perimeter initiators in the league right there. I call him mini LeBron all the time mm. because he just has that same type of downhill presence when he really gets going to the basket.
0: Yeah. I'm I, I, I'm a big fan, man. Yeah, and he has like a lot of finishes around the lane, like either foot, either hand. Like I think the skill level is underrated. I think going into the league, the athleticism was actually underrated, even though everybody knew he was a great athlete. They didn't quite know how elite he was. Then he had that dunk and then everybody yeah. kind of knew. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and to your point about the mid-range, it's really interesting because I think that's part of the reason why DeMar DeRozan had such a crazy first half of the season because that's the open space on the floor now. Yeah. And he's an expert at that. And I do think we're going to start seeing more mid-range this season. So we got to keep an eye on that. That's just my thought. It's the
1: natural It's the natural flow of things in the NBA. There's, it's everything. Always, everything's trend, everything, right? Everything counters everything. That's why if you look at offensive ratings in NBA history, they go up and down because it's like like the offense figures something out and they start to get a market inefficiency there and then the defense has a counter for it. And what you're seeing the defenses do now is chase teams off the three-point line and protect the basket and leave the middle of the floor open and that's a market inefficiency there, and so you're going to see teams that succeed, like like the Bulls run DeRozan off of a million wide pin downs every single game, whether it's double a uh, double wide pin downs or single wide yeah. pin downs, yeah. and the guard the guard gets caught on the screen and the big drops to stop him from curling, and so he's coming off of those wide open. And shooting all the time, they're like right around 17 18 feet, and he's he's just taking advantage of a market inefficiency right now.
2: That's fantastic. All right, well, Jason, we appreciate you. Before I give combo the famous outro, please, where can people find you? Where can they listen to your podcast? All the content that you're putting out there.
1: So you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Jason LT, and then my show appears on YouTube on the Volumes YouTube channel, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts under Hoops Tonight.
2: All right, combo. You know I'm throwing you the no look. It's your turn now.
0: No, we're not. We're not going long today. We're gonna go. Whoa! To oh, real quick, real quick. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Seriously, I sincerely appreciate it. We're, we're going real. Oh, anytime, Jason. anytime, anytime, Jason. We I usually have this long intro <laughs> outro type thing going on, but subscribe to Hoops Tonight. Great podcast. We're out of here, Max.
2: We're
1: out of here.